Okay, this is how we met. You and me. From Boogie Land Media, this is On Carlson Drive, a dusty little dirt road of memories from the wit and whimsy of Wendy Bonifield. Today's episode, How We Met. I remember the scene very clearly. Not necessarily because it was all that earth-shattering or anything, I simply remember it. I had recently made a new friend who had moved to my city of St. Louis from the city of Grand Rapids. We were both part of the Salvation Army. She had been telling me about this boy she left behind in Grand Rapids that she planned on dating when the Salvation Army summer camps rolled around, where Salvation Army young people from all over the country gather. But before the summer camps, there was the yearly weekend meetings called Congress when Salvation Army people gather for meetings, and when we were teenagers, these meetings were held in Chicago. Here's the scene. A group of about five or six teenage girls, ranging in age from 14 to 16, standing on the grand staircase in the historic Palmer House Hotel, chatting and giggling, looking around to see who we might know wander by, when my new friend says, Oh, Hey, everybody, here comes that guy I've been telling you about. And sure enough, here comes a pretty cute, sandy, blonde-haired guy walking by. And my friend calls him over. Hey, everybody, this is Randy Bonifield. And we all say hi. And he quickly says hi and hurries away. I can tell you for certain that Randy does not remember that moment when he first met me. First of all, he barely remembers what happened three hours ago, let alone 38 years ago. Plus, I was in a group of random girls, and if he thought of any of us, it was my friend who he knew and was going to date at camp. Now, fast forward a few months to camp, the camp where my friend and Randy are going to date. Dating at camp means basically that you sit together at meetings, hold hands as you walk around camp, make out in the woods at night after the meetings, and you go to the banquet at the end of camp together. Unfortunately, by the time camp had rolled around, my friend had changed her mind, and she no longer wanted to date Randy. Now, Randy had not changed his mind, and he had been looking forward to this all summer long. He had been faithful to her all summer long, held no other hands all summer, waited just for her. And now she has changed her mind. Okay, remember, we were all 14 years old, so all this communication took place through intermediaries. I became the primary communicator between the two, all the while spending a pretty good amount of time with Randy, getting to know him, talking to him, and just hanging out. The rest of us girls thought she was crazy. Why didn't she want to date him? He was cute and nice. He played the piano, and he could really sing, and oh my goodness, did you hear him sing that solo in the program last night? All the girls in our cabin agreed we would date him. What's funny is that his older sister was our cabin counselor that year. 
I'm not sure if we knew that she was his sister or not. I'm sure she didn't overhear our conversations about her brother because she has never mentioned them and she would remember them if she had heard them because unlike her brother, she remembers everything. As the camp went along, Randy and I spent a lot of time together, at first talking about my friend and why she didn't want to date him and then about other stuff, and soon he gave up on my friend. Then I think he thought, well, she's cute, and asked me to the banquet at the end of camp, and that's how I met my husband. He was easy to talk to and easy to be around. I felt comfortable with him. Here's the problem. He lived in Grand Rapids and I lived in St. Louis. Of course, both of our parents were Salvation Army officers or pastors in the Salvation Army, which meant that we both moved a lot. So it was possible that we could be moved into the same city. But until or if that ever happened, we would still have camp in Congress. As it turned out, we never lived in the same city. We left camp that first year with the promise to write each other. I wrote Randy a few letters. Randy never wrote to me that first year. I was mad at him for a while. But by the time Congress rolled around again, I had forgiven him. And we were happy to see each other. So we spent Congress and camp together with the promise to write this time at the end of summer. I wrote Randy a few times. He never wrote me back. I was mad at him for a while. But by the time Congress rolled around again, I had forgiven him and we were happy to see each other again. And that was pretty much the routine with a few summers missed here and there because one or the other of us would miss Congress or camp for some reason or heaven forbid we would be dating somebody else. But for the most part, when we were together, we were together. I had given up on the idea that he was going to write to me, so that was no longer an issue. Nothing really changed until the summer before our senior year of college. I was working at a summer camp in Peoria, and he was working in Chicago. We had seen each other at Congress at the beginning of summer as usual, Rumors had been circulating that I was engaged to some guy I was dating in college, but that was untrue. I wasn't even dating that guy anymore. Randy was a little worried that I was off the market that Congress, but his spies had given him the thumbs up that all was clear and everything was okay again. I was not planning on going to the usual camp that summer, so we were only going to see each other over Congress. But because I was in Peoria and he was in Chicago, maybe we could see each other over the summer somehow. I was having an unhappy summer that year, not enjoying my summer employment at all. I kept hoping to see Randy just show up and surprise me, but he never did. I guess I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands. Unfortunately, I did not have a car, and truth be told, the idea of driving into Chicago was a little scary to me, so here was my plan. Randy was at our usual camp that was close to Chicago. My friend Jill had been bugging me to come visit her in Chicago, so I took the train to visit Jill, and Jill and I went out to the last weekend of camp. When we got there, I got nervous. All of a sudden, this seemed so much more serious than all the other times. I thought, wait, 
Maybe there are some other boys I might like to date first before I marry Randy. Because, you see, I always knew I was going to marry Randy. But I wasn't in any hurry, and there were other boys around to have a little fun with before that. Just a little fun. I was a good girl. But as I sat in the program that night next to one of those other boys, watching Randy sing, I knew, nope, there's no other boy. That's the only boy for me. So that night, as we walked down the road and he took my hand, it was electric. We both knew this was different. This was for real this time. We stayed out as late as we could. When Randy got back to his cabin late, his cabin mates cheered because they knew. We had all grown up together. My friend Jill and I found an empty room to sleep in. Shh, don't tell anybody. We were supposed to go home and the powers that be did not know we stayed. The next day, I traveled home with Randy and his parents. Even though Randy and I had been a part of each other's lives now for about seven years, Both our parents were oblivious to our relationship, or really to the existence of the other. Randy's mom gave us the best double-take when she glanced back and saw us holding hands in the back seat. And my parents were mildly confused when Randy brought me home the next day. Of course, that all pales in comparison to the surprise when we told them just five months later that we were getting married. But I'm getting ahead of myself. When we parted that summer with promises to write, there was a little more weight behind those promises. I wrote to Randy, and he wrote me back. My heart skipped a beat every time I saw that familiar blue envelope in my mailbox. He wrote wonderful letters in neat capital letters. I wrote silly, sloppy letters. Here he learned I could not spell... We talked about our classes, about nonsense, about our frustrations, about our faith, and that we loved each other and wanted to be together. I played his music until my roommates were ready to kill me. He sent me a Mr. Mr. tape because he thought I would like it. So now I could give my roommates a break from listening to Randy sing with a little Mr. Mr. I can't listen to Mr. Mr. without thinking of that time in college. He asked me to marry him in my parents' basement. It was totally unplanned. We were talking about getting married, and he said something about not having a ring for me, and I said I would marry him with or without a ring, and then he asked me to marry him, and I said, "Uh uh-huh. And then a few months later, he took me to see the musical Jesus Christ Superstar, and at dinner before, he gave me a lovely engagement ring. The older couple at the table next to us enjoyed watching our interaction through the whole dinner. I'm sure we were adorable. The production of Jesus Christ Superstar was a little weird, but I was happy. Originally, the plan was that we were both going to work in Chicago over the summer after he graduated and then get married in Chicago in October. But I decided to spend the summer with my family in Peoria. It made it harder to plan a wedding from a distance, but my future mother-in-law was a great help. I wanted to be home just a little longer. My mom and I had a nice time working on the wedding together. 
I found a wedding dress I loved at the first store we went into right off the sale rack. My sister thought the dress looked like a curtain, but she made the veil for me anyway. And there you have the conundrum of my sister, saying something critical on one hand, then turning around and doing something wonderfully kind on the other. I didn't fully appreciate my sister Lisa until way later in my life. Sorry, Lise. Anyway, sisters, right? She was one of my bridesmaids, or maiden, I guess, she was married. My cousin Jenny and two of my college friends were my other bridesmaids. Randy and I were married in Chicago, Illinois. We spent our honeymoon in Bellingham, Washington, and then moved into our new little apartment in Grand Rapids, Michigan, to start our new life together. Thirty years later, with three girls and one son-in-law, Randy is still the only boy for me. So, I know you and your memory, you don't remember any of that. Oh, come on now. That's not true. (laughs) I remember a lot of that. But what I do hear when I listen to you tell the story is how much of a dolt I was. (laughs) Well, you... Or at least sound like, you know. To be fair, you were 14 when we met. So, most 14-year-old boys are, as you say, dolts. (laughs) Well, you know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to well, make you no, feel I, that. Well, no, I, I just mean from the standpoint of like, we, we, we dated, then you didn't write, and then we dated, and then you didn't write, and then I feel sad. Don't be sad. No, I'm fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I don't remember meeting you and all the the other girls in your... Well, which I, I think is I perfectly think I have fair. a vague memory of it, but not like... That was the moment when I saw Wendy for the first time. It was like, I remember like running into, especially because you, there were these other two guys that were part of your tribe as well. Because I think they were there at the, that time as well. And so I kind of have this vague memory of Yeah, I that. mean, there's no, I mean, there's no reason why you would remember me in a lump of girls. When the girl that was there is that you liked, that's who you would remember well, yeah, and besides, but... you kind of just was like, hi, and hurried away. Because, I mean, let's introduce this. For... You're 14. Well, a 14-year-old boy being introduced to like five girls yeah, is a little That's little just an intimidating. intimidating. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I hold no grudges that okay. you don't remember that. I mean, the truth of the matter is, yes, uh, you know, I did kind of hold out this hope that when we got to camp, <laughs> this sounds so silly, you know, she and I would be together. I put up air quotes together and I did, I think overreact to that whole thing. And you, you spared some of my embarrassing moments of trying to beg her to be together. I did. I did yeah. not fill and in I'm, all of those I'm moments. Grateful for that because it was, it's embarrassing now to think about it. Um, <laughs> but again, you were 14. Was, yeah, you're right. I was 14. And, and you know what the funny thing about that is just how much time we spent together <laughs> During that whole week, I know that you were kind of the in-between. You know, when you're 14, that's kind of what happens. Right. Tell her this and 
And then she says, oh, tell him this. Right. And so you were like buzzing back and forth. You know, you're, you're a nine on the Enneagram. You know, you're a peacemaker. That's right. That's my number on the Enneagram. <laughs> now I'm you a know, nine. Now you know Wendy so much better. <laughs> it's funny because she and I didn't spend that much time together. Right. It was all just sort of a, an infatuation when in, in reality... We I just w- became friends. We became we, friends and we got to we know each friends. other. And yeah. I think we've talked to this about our, with our own girls. It's, it's better to know somebody well and fall in love with them after you know them because you've developed a friendship and the ability to have conversation and be able to share with each other. And I think that that's what's interesting about that time is that we spent this time really getting to know each other, yeah. spending time with one another hanging out together. And by the end of camp, you're right. It was kind of like, well, she's cute, but (laughs) it was more than that. It was, you know, we've invested a lot into each other here. Let's go to this banquet together. Yeah. It made sense. It didn't hurt that I was really attracted to you as well. But I think that part of that attraction wasn't just physical. It was this friendship that, that had developed. And that stretched over the time. So, you know, we go from 14 to the next time we're together and it's, we're 16. That friendship just stretched over that time. So the next time we're together, we're friends. And yeah, and we, were, we just continued to be friends over the years. And we hung out. Yeah. And we, you know, might have kissed at the same time. Maybe. But, um, but the, the idea was that we're, you know, we're hanging out with people that we enjoyed you know i i that's what i saw is that this friendship was just so stretch it out over time and 16 and now we're hanging out and and then maybe it's i forgot to write but i don't know that it's i forgot to write i think there was a part of me that's like there's no way this is gonna work how, how can this possibly work it the whole absence makes the heart grow fonder just it, it wasn't d- true wasn't it was like absence case. means you're just not here <laughs> absence means absence. <laughs> so when we would see each other, it was like, oh, that's right. I really, really like this person and I want to be with this person. But then the reality would hit home. Sure. You know, then when we stretched the time to that last time, I mean, I think it started at, at Congress. I remember I was doing some narration and, and stuff for something that was going on backstage. And I'd gotten really sick. Is this the last Congress? This was the last Congress before the camp. Oh, okay. (laughs) So that last time, right before it got really serious, I remember it was at the Congress that you and I connected again. And I remember staying up till four in the morning one night and uh, just sitting out in the the hallway of the hotel talking. Right. And, And I had gotten... Even really though you were sick, sick. Yeah, yeah, your voice was so sore. Yeah, and so, but but we stayed up till four in the morning, and I mean, that was when I was like, "There's something unique here that we really need to to invest in." And we actually started writing then. We wrote over the summer a few times. I that think you're summer. right. Yeah. Oh, look, I forgot that. Mm-hmm. I forgot. And it was at the end of that summer that you and Jill came to the camp when we had that sort of electric moment of, I I think it was a a realization for both of us that if we do this, this time, this is for real. This is, this is going to mean something. So maybe you didn't start out as a faithful letter writer, but once you committed, once, you know, you were like, okay, I am now going to write letters to this girl and it might just work out. 
You were very faithful. You were a very faithful letter writer. Well, I think we go back to that moment where you described it as electric. I think at that moment, it was kind of a, a determination on both of our parts. Well, we're going to make this work one way or another. Yeah. We have to. And for me, that's what it was. It was, I'm I'm committed to this. And that means I'm going to have to do something that's hard to do. And that's write letters. You mm. wrote wonderful letters. I loved getting your letters. The feeling was mutual. I mean, they were they were life. Seriously, they were just it was life to me because it was this person that I just wanted to be with so much and every time they came it was a reminder. We called each other very rarely. We maybe talked 3 times on the phone because it cost so much money and you <laughs> be like, Dad, is it all right if I make a long distance phone call? No, that costs money. <laughs> your dad you know? would, your dad, oh, he was terrifying. The thought of calling your house and your dad picking up the phone, that was terrifying. Why do you want to talk to him? Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, if I called and your dad answered and I'd say, Can I talk to Randy, please? Why do you want to talk to him? <laughs> I guess. Let me see if I can find him. Oh my gosh, that was that would be the worst thing in the world if when your dad would answer the phone. She loves you, Dad. I know, but he was terrifying. Yeah. No, I get it. This episode of On Carlson Drive was produced for Boogieland Media by Randy and Wendy Bonifield. Sound design, mix, and editing by Randy Bonifield, and distributed through our friends at podbean.com. All stories were written, edited, and narrated by Wendy Bonifield. All original music and music arrangements are written and performed by Randy Bonifield. Additional music credits for episodes can be found at our website, oncarlsondrive.com. Remember to subscribe, and please like, add, friend, and review this podcast wherever you find us, but especially on Apple Podcasts, as it helps others to find us. Follow On Carlson Drive on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at username On Carlson Drive. You may also contact us at OnCarlsonDrive at gmail.com. Special thanks to all our friends and families who, unbeknownst to them, we're writing the stories we tell simply by living them. Join us next week for a new episode. Until then, I'm Randy Bonifield, and you've been listening to On Carlson Drive.